So this one is, is fun here. Um, I watch a lot of 90 Day Fiance. My wife got me into it accidentally, and she's probably mad that she did about, I want to say, two and a half years ago. The show, it's like, there's like five shows now, and it's just every Sunday, gotta watch. Um, or more likely, I watch a little bit on Sunday, and then I watch the rest on Monday on demand. Um, and any show that's ultimately about both relationships and immigration because that's what the show is about is going to have something to say about those things i'm not so interested in the love part but um i started watching the show because i was interested in people who were just jumping into marriage like that but i became much more interested in the immigration part and then i started looking at the racism part because any american show is going to have issues with racism and the language issue, because most of these people, of course, don't speak the same language. Um, and it actually ties a little bit into my research. So I'm going to talk about that. And I actually am going to put forth the idea that although the show doesn't intend to do this, because it's a very, you know, American enterprise type of show, it actually lays bare the fact that American exceptionalism is a myth. And it does it almost accidentally. And I'm going to talk about how. Hey, welcome back to Uncentralized English. Uh, I'm J.P.B. Gerald. You should know that. Um, this show is about epistemological whiteness and racial linguistic ideologies and what we can do about it. Um, but today, I'm not really talking about um, scholarly research with an interesting scholar or something like that, like I did two weeks ago, with uh, The Limits of Whiteness. But today, we're talking about a TV show that I watch. This is not, this is similar to the Lovecraft Country episode, except it's just me. Anyway, um, so we're talking today about 90 Day Fiancé. Now, if you don't know what this show is, I'm going to tell you. If you do know, you can probably skip the next two minutes. But basically, the premise of the show is um, if you, as a citizen of the United States, fall in love, quote-unquote fall in love with someone from another country who does not already live here or already have permanent residence or a green card or something like that, you can apply for what is known as a K-1 visa. And if you get accepted and they basically believe that you're telling the truth, um, then that person is allowed to move here. And upon setting foot in the United States, they have 90 days to marry you so that they can stay. The show originally was following a series of couples that were in that situation. They were in the 90 days. And it tracks their relationship issues and cultural clashes. That's the basic premise, relationship issues and cultural clashes. Um, since it premiered, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I don't know when it started, um, it has expanded into an entire cinematic universe, basically. Um, so there's the original 90 Day Fiance, which still comes on. And in fact, there's a season on right now. It's January, as I say this. Uh, there's Happily Ever After, which is what you might think it is a question mark. It's Happily Ever After, um, which is basically following couples from previous seasons after they got married, usually, to see what's going on with them which is a pretty normal spinoff for a show. Then there's 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days because um, these are not, the, the, they have to be believed by their governments, both the government of the other country and the United States to get the visa. So a lot of time these people have been in relationships for years, not always, but often have been in relationships for a long time. So the American will often go and visit them before they apply for the visa or before the visa is conveyed. And then the, uh, the person will come back. 
Um, and so there's a show before 90 Days that's about usually about the American going to visit them in the other country before they successfully get visa. Often on before the 90 days, the relationships kind of fall apart because they haven't quite decided to move to the United States yet, et cetera, et cetera. On 90 Day Fiance itself, they often do actually get married whether or not they should. And then there's the other way. Um, the other way, basically, the American has decided that they're actually going to move to the country that the other person lives in. And so then you're seeing the same relationship issues and cultural classes clashes in, in I guess, the other direction. It's a different person who has to adjust. Um, so those are the shows. There's other little spinoffs of specific characters. I'm not going to talk about the family Chantal uh, because it's bad. So those are the shows. Now, my wife got me into these shows. I keep I say that I'm blaming her. She was watching it one day and I started watching it and she probably wishes she'd never turned it on that day because now I watch it more than she does. Um, and it's very basic. I know I'm basic. I don't watch very many regular shows. Like I watch a lot of stuff on like streaming like everybody else does, but the only shows I watch on like a weekly basis are like that. And um, hmm. I don't know if there's anything else I watch on a weekly basis these days. It's all streaming. Um, anyway, so well, I was watching Lovecraft Country when it was out. And yeah, I guess when, when it's normal times, I watch Succession and I watch a couple other things. Um, so the point being, um, the show is more interesting than it seems. It is a reality show quote-unquote reality show, so therefore all the reality show tricks come into play, right? Obviously it's edited, it's manipulative. They're trying to do stuff for the audience, right? Everybody on the show is playing to the cameras. They have confessionals, just like every other reality show where they explain how they feel and so forth. And, you know, that's, that's just what you expect out of a reality show. From my perspective, as someone who looks at racism and language, there are some interesting things going on in this show, which is what I'm going to talk about in this episode. Um, first of all, not always, because you do have a couple of people from like Australia or the UK, but not always. Usually the other person speaks the language other than English as their dominant language. So the show employs subtitles pretty much constantly. Not always when the American is talking, but sometimes when they're talking too, because sometimes they, they speak quietly or something like that. Um, and that's interesting. So it's one of the few shows that is not primarily set in another country. Um, and it's an American show, obviously, that has pretty much constant subtitles on the screen. They will not, it doesn't seem to be editing the uh the person's speech to make it sound better or worse they just write what the person says we can talk a little bit about how these people are framed when they don't use standardized english but the point is the fact that the language is written on the screen is is um is is different from a lot of reality shows second um there's sort of a split most of the couples are like they don't seem like they know each other well enough to get together. However, part of the interest for me is that my wife and I met each other in April of 2015 and we were engaged in July. We got married the following April and we're still here. So it's hard for me to judge people who haven't known each other for very long getting engaged, which is unusual because I don't know if you all knew that about us, but yeah, it was pretty fast for us. We went on a couple of dates and then we sort of I thought she wasn't into me because she's kind of <laughs> she doesn't talk as much as I do so I just was like this girl doesn't like me she does not like me so I was like nah nah and I thought she she wanted to move out of New York originally you don't need to get too much into my relationship but the point is um I just thought she didn't like me so I was like nah I'm not doing this for a bit and then she called me the next day like hey no, we need to do this. And the fact that she fought for me 
did a lot because people didn't fight for me back then. It's a nice little story. Um, so, although these people are often in very bad relationships, I can't out of hand dismiss people who are getting married quickly because I did. So that's an interesting wrinkle on the relationship angle. But that isn't, the relationship angle isn't just about like immigration and all of that stuff. A lot of the time, the reason that they're in bad relationships are the same as any two people, whether they're moving countries or not. It's, they don't communicate and not just the language. I mean, I don't mean they can't communicate they don't understand each other. Although with uh, <laughs> Jihoon and Devin, often they can't understand each other and they use a phone translator, which is terrible. But usually it's because they can't, they don't communicate in terms of they're unable to express their emotions in a comprehensible fashion. But that's just normal. Um, but then there's things like there's an entire subset of the people. I should talk about the countries they're from. They've been people from pretty much every continent. And there was one guy from Australia. So I think that's every continent that there's people on that they've had people from. They've had people from Europe, people from Asia, Africa, South America, Australia, yeah. and obviously uh, United States. And they had someone from Mexico. So that counts as another country in, in North America. Um, and someone from Jamaica as well. And there's people who are roughly the same age and although they still have issues, you don't necessarily see a power imbalance in terms of age in those couples. Then there's people where there's a huge age gap and it's a couple of typical things like a much older American man and some very young, usually very thin, like very young, like 20s woman from Philippines, Vietnam, things like that. I'm not stereotyping these places. I'm just saying you've seen that relationship before, right? I saw it when I was in Vietnam. Uh, just sort of creepy American men being creepy. The show is not critical of this, but it's also not critical of anything. So I don't know. Um, but then there's what I find interesting, a whole bunch of very creepy older white women who are 50 plus and lusting after these African men in a weird way. Now, look, everyone involved is an adult except for maybe Michael and Juliana. I think he was 42 and she was 19, but they seemed to know each other for a couple of years. That was weird. But everyone is an adult here. Like if you're talking about like, <laughs> I'm now mentioning character names, you're just gonna have to watch the show, I'm sorry. Um, Angela, who is a white lady from Georgia who was an outspoken Trump supporter um, and Michael who have been on the show in several different seasons. And he's from Nigeria. And like they are one of several examples of an older white woman who um, wants to impose her cultural values on an African man. It's weird. <laughs> um, and it's weird to see this. Now, of course, Nigeria, like a lot of parts of Africa for colonial reasons, Michael speaks English, right? He speaks, you know, a Nigerian version of English, but he speaks English. Um, so the language isn't as much of an issue there. But uh, it's just really gross to see. Um, there was baby girl Lisa and Soja Boy. He calls her baby girl Lisa. And that was also creepy and gross because she was a woman who was, you know, 50 plus. And these women are very, very possessive and jealous of any woman who it might be around these African men. I found those relationships to be weird and disturbing. Again, not an issue of like consent or anything. These men are usually 30 plus, but um, not that consent can't happen, but I'm saying we don't get any indication that there's, no, that there's a lack of consent, but um, just weird and gross and fetishizing. The men fetish, and we haven't seen anyone who is non-binary. So when I say men and women, it has been all men and women thus far. Um, so I'm not doing the binary thing, the show is, or maybe just the people on the show who have been featured are. Um, the men have been creepy in different ways. Um, there was one, a couple people who apparently had been arrested for domestic violence outside of the show, not for people, not for doing things on the show. 
Um, but when it comes to the cultural issues, I'm, I'm spending way too much time thinking about this show, but I spent so much time thinking about it for the last several years, then you're gonna hear about it. Um, <laughs> I find those relationships to be telling of what is being sold to people around the world about the United States. Because these people, um, these women specifically, Lisa and Angela and things like that, and it also goes for Rebecca and Zied. Um, he's not black, but he's from Africa, he's from Northern Africa, uh, Tunisia specifically. They, they're, they're just obsessed with these younger African men. And they are presenting themselves as like a prize from the United States, right? To these men, they are being seen as something that can be sort of like a status symbol, right? And they're gonna move to the United States and be with this person. Um, and I think people at least in 2021 have understood when it's a much older man and a younger woman that it's kind of creepy and the show doesn't do as much of that anymore. Um, but I think that these relationships are some of the creepiest relationships on the show. They, it really flattens the men um, into caricatures of what people might expect of Africans. Um, very rarely are these men given depth or agency. And it's played kind of for laughs how the women push these men around, not so much Rebecca and Zied, but the other two. And I find that to be a really disturbing part of the proceedings. So, I I'm calling attention to those relationships specifically where Angela is messing around with Michael and then Lisa and Soldier Boy. I don't remember what his name is, but he goes by Soldier Boy, not Soldier Boy the rapper, but he goes by Soldier Boy. So it's confusing. Um, and I think that those are some of the the more culturally interesting parts of the show is showing these older white American women going after these African men. It's interesting to me, and I sort of focus on that when I think about. You know, some people, the, the people that the people quote unquote hate on the message boards about the show, and yes, I read the message boards, um, are usually not them. They are, they focus a lot of their hate on Larissa, who's Brazilian, um, because, well, she's mean, um, and Colt, who is from Las Vegas. And that is a really toxic relationship. They were married, but now they're divorced. Um, and, but I, I, my, my ire goes for these people who are really pushing around these men. But I mentioned Larissa and Colt, and there's something interesting to be said about them because they're a pretty good example of something that I think the show shows very well, even if they don't intend to. Because what Larissa and Colt's relationship and many, many relationships on the show show, not all of them, but many of them, is that all of these people pretty much think that if they move to the United States, they're going to live inside of the Sex and the City episode. I don't know what these people are being told by their partners. Sometimes their partners know them for years. Sometimes their partners only know them for 24 hours or something like that. Um, but these are not wealthy people. <laughs> Um, one of them is Michael is from who the one from Connecticut. He actually lives near Greenwich, which we were looking for him when we had the baby. Um, <laughs> and but everybody else is struggling. They're struggling. I mean, they might have an, an okay apartment or something like that, but they're usually struggling, right? Or maybe not struggling. They're it's it's not they're not rolling in it. You know what I'm saying? Not that that's good, that they should be rolling in it or shouldn't be, but it shows like how common the global story is of complete success in the United States, right? To quote unquote success, right? That, that if you come here, your life will be better. Um, and in some respects, I'm sure their lives are better because some of them come from what we see to be real 
struggle. Um, but a lot of the time, what the show shows really specifically is how fucking hard it is to live in the United States. I'm not saying that the United States is harder than other places. I'm just saying it's an exploitative country that is very challenging for everybody but a few people. And the show, I don't think, is intending to show this. I don't think the show is trying to shine a light on the problems in the United States. I don't think it is. It's about relationships and it makes funny, you know, the, the people laugh about the, the, the cultural things. Like there's a woman on there now, I think her name is Julia, who's struggling to deal with farm life because her betrothed lives on a farm with his parents and her parent, his parents won't let them sleep in the same bedroom because they're terrible. Um, but, and it's funny when she has to like deal with a pig because it, I mean, it's funny, but uh, <laughs> she's realizing how unpleasant it is to live here. And, you know, a lot of the people who are moving here are coming, they don't come with a lot of money. They don't come with a lot of connections. Like, and there's a few exceptions to this, of course. And it just ends up like a lot of the issues that the people have when they move here would be solved if their partner had a whole bunch of money. And I think the show is really showing that like, these are pretty, aside from being on a reality show, pretty average people in a lot of ways who are marrying them, right? And I don't mean that to be good or bad. I just mean they seem to be, aside, a few of them are abjectly poor, but most of them are just regular in terms of their income, in terms of their resources and things like that. Um, in terms of their attractiveness, some of them are very conventionally attractive, some of them are not. It's not it's one of the few reality shows where aside from like a grotesque pimple popper or something like that, or one of those horrible exploitative shows about the super heavy women or something or whatever the shows are, it's, it's not a show that seems to actually focus on the most attractive or the least attractive people on purpose. I should say conventionally attractive. These really, they kind of just look all sorts of ways and they're of every race and so forth. Um, and I think it's showing that although things are relatively easier for white people in the United States, of course, <laughs> this is not an easy country to live in. I mean, it's obvious for anyone who lives here now who's seeing what's happening with the pandemic and all that, although that's not just the United States, we're just doing a very, very bad job of it. But, um, I think that that is the most interesting part of the show. That is the point I want to make on this episode is that the most common thing that isn't commented upon, people talk about the fights, people talk about their language issues, people talk about occasionally racism, and I'll get to that. But it's that it shows that this is not a land of opportunity, right? It is showing that they move here and their promises are broken. And sometimes their promises are literal that the person that they're getting married to told them that their life would be better. They told them, you know, they would give them this and this and this, and that's just lying. That has nothing to do with Americans. That's just people being liars to people they want to move and be with them and sleep with them and so forth. Um, I don't, I think that happens in every country, but it's the, under, the unsaid lie of the American dream, of the American exceptionalism that the show is accidentally disproving. Because there've been so many seasons now and so many episodes, so many couples that it's not showing one population aside from the, the commonality of them being reality show people or people who wanna be on reality shows. Um, and it's not showing one area. There have been people from almost every state. I don't think there's been one in New York City, but there was someone from Westchester, someone from Connecticut, people from California, people from Texas, you know, like they, they've got, they've been all over the place. Um, and the people from the other countries are from all, all over the world too. And I think it really shows the problems and the horrible way that this country actually takes care of people. Now, speaking of horrible things the United States does. Obviously, there shouldn't even be a K-1 visa. Like, who cares? You know, the premise of that, right, is that the government 
can tell how legitimate your relationship is and that you won't be a burden to the country, right? So you have to sponsor the person for however many years. The government's like, we're not taking care of this person. Um, so the premise of the K-1 visa is fucked up. Men want to make that point. Um, the concept of nation states is messed up. That's a whole other thing. So our entire immigration system, as, as bad as ICE is, and I mentioned that last episode, we've been trying to keep people from other countries out for a hundred and something years. And we let them come in if we think they deserve it. One of the ways you can deserve it is by having a lot of money. One of the ways you can deserve it is by having a skill that we can try to exploit. And one of the ways you can deserve it is by getting married because they're saying your spouse is going to take care of you. So fine, whatever, have some love, but we don't want to have to deal with it. It's one of the things that I've been doing writing and research on is this concept of like who, who deserves to be included in spaces, right? Who deserves to, to be exploited? And what the show is showing, unintentionally, I think, is that the country, by virtue of certain people being born here or living here for however long, um, because I think that there's one person who was a naturalized American who was a Canadian citizen, um, will say that these people, these, and this is not an insult, it's a description, these unremarkable people are deserving of the protections that the country gives us, meager though they are and without safety nets. And these people have to prove that they deserve to be here in what is basically squalor for a supposedly developed country. Um, and I think that the show has no idea what it's showing. And of course, you would only notice this if you're looking at it from the angle that I am. But I think that that's what's happening on the show. You know, there's, you know, there's, there, there's countries that they pull from a lot. There's a lot of people from Russia and Ukraine. Um, they're not that Ukraine, from Russia and Ukraine. Um, there's a lot of people from Brazil. There's a fair amount of people from Southeast Asia. And I do wonder if that's just who applied for the show, who they thought was an interesting couple. I don't know. But there are tropes of people who are looking for different people in different places. And a lot of the time, the people from Russia and Ukraine are much more conventionally attractive than some of the other people. Not because I find them attractive, but I mean the way the show frames them and so on. So you often get a different sort of relationship because they are framed as only being worthwhile for their looks versus people from other places. Um, and I think that seeing these different profiles of, of regions, um, and this is just my opinion from the way the show frames them and the people who are going out with them is, is interesting. Um, I used to think in watching the show that the show, especially on the other way, which again, I find to be the most interesting version of the show, um, showed the other countries as being, you know, a stereotypes, right? It showed like it, 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 it always shows like a little video of the other country for a second before it sets a scene in there. And I think, oh, well, you know, they're really just showing stereotypical stuff. And I said, wait a second though. Like I've, I've been to South Korea. There's a season in South Korea. That's what South Korea looks like. That's not, it's not a stereotype. Like that's what the houses look like there. It's what people look like walking down the street. Like they're not showing anything good or bad. They're just showing what it looks like. Um, and they do the same in the United States too. It's just like a place, it's just a house, an apartment or something like that. You know, yeah, if they go to New York, they'll show New York. Um, or they go to whatever, but they're not showing the United States as this glorious place in comparison. They're just setting their camera on the ground and showing what's in front of them wherever the person happens to live. Now, the audience on the message boards is mostly American as far as I can tell. And they have a lot of issues because Americans have issues. Um, 
they tend to say messed up racist stuff. Uh, they tend to make fun of the way people use English on the show. Uh, they, you know, tend to make jokes that are ultimately based upon people's appearance and people's nationality and so forth. And so I wonder, I know the show isn't trying to be counter-cultural. It's not trying to do the things I'm putting on it. But I also know even if it was doing it, the audience wouldn't get it. It's on TLC. That's the same channel that has Dr. Pimple Popper and the My 1000 Pound Sisters and um, Welcome to Platteville, which is like this Children of the Corn family. It's like super blonde and creepy. And it's basically like, we are a family that doesn't believe in modernity. And so we have a TV show, which by the way, doesn't make sense. Um, so it's mostly a channel about different groups of, of uh, what they consider to be oddities. And yes, that means that they consider uh, fat people to be oddities, which is gross, not fat people, but what they're doing. But this show, um, my point is, even if the show wanted to be subversive, it would mostly get an audience that didn't know how to deal with subversion. So I am placing subversion into the show that is not there, but I think you can read the show this way. So onto racism though, because um, I had to, of course. The show, is the show racist? I mean, in the sense that it is an American television show that is not explicitly working against racism, then yes, of course. It's part of the American entertainment system, the soft power of American cultural hegemony. So therefore it is upholding the system of racism, obviously, but so is almost every show. That's not an excuse. I'm just making the point that it's true, of course. Um, does the show explicitly condone acts of racism within the show? It certainly depicts them. In a recent season, um, a man named Kenny who had moved to Mexico on the other way was just acting kind of grossed out by the food. Uh, and it's like, first of all, Kenny, you've had Mexican food before, shut up. Second of all, publicly talking about how, can we just get some more American food? That's not what he said, but that's basically what he meant is again, he might've been playing it up for the camera, but it's, it's just weird and gross and validating to your partner. So the show doesn't comment on that. It just lets these people talk. But in a way, there haven't been any, one of the main characters, the couples have said very much stuff that's like overtly, no, I hate the word overtly. Um, you know, there's no slurs, right? They're not going to put that on TV, but also the characters know they're on TV and they don't want to say stuff like that. So it, the way that it depicts racism is, is, is much more subtle than I think Americans are used to dealing with, right? It's the kind of microaggressive stuff. And I know people don't like that term, but the term still works for um, interpersonal as opposed to systemic, right? Uh, microaggressive racist stuff where it's like the parents of somebody will say well in their culture they do blah 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 right stuff like that um or well i just i don't know if they are able to like like these very small things that especially when it comes to the many muslim characters who have been on the show um characters, people. Uh, well, now it's a reality show. Are they characters or are they people? I don't know. Um, but anyway, there have been several people who are engaged to a, a, a Muslim from the Middle East, um, from various countries. And that's when the racism just flies. Um, and it's usually just some complete ignorance on the Americans' part. They don't. So in that sense, there's plenty of racism on the show. If that sort of thing upsets you, you probably shouldn't watch it. I mean, it upsets me, but I find it interesting to see that 
um, if you're watching it with the way that I watch it, it's evidence that even people who seem very polite have these fucked up views. And this is stuff that I already know, but it's interesting to see because they probably think that what they're saying is true and polite and kind. So I think that's interesting. But um, I also think that it, sh it shows that the people who hold these racist views or who express these racist views, I should say, are kind of not that great. They're not not that great because of it, but they're they have this, you know, most of their views are rooted in American exceptionalism, right? Like these people are backwards because they do this and this and this, or this food isn't great because in America we do this and this and this. And then they show these people looking like complete buffoons, not because of it. It's not like that scene in Django and Chain with the clan and they just look like ridiculous. But um, if you're paying attention, the people who say this stuff are not presented as completely competent, as insightful, as interesting, or whatever. They come off really poorly. And I find that to be interesting. Like some of the, <laughs> you know, they had a recent season the other way, just finished, that's why I keep mentioning it, with a woman from Princeton, New Jersey, named Ariella, who was one of my least favorite couple characters in the show's history because she was just it's a lot of whining going on about how you know living in Ethiopia was not up to her standards and you know lady you went there before you knew what it was like I don't know what you expected um but her mother coming over there and just having opinions about Ethiopian life. The woman, like, I'm sure if you were someone like her mother, you might find what she said to be sympathetic. But like, I think most people in the audience watching that show, she's she's coming off really stiff and coming off really priggish. And it, it's not a flattering portrayal of someone who's looking down on another country for basically existing in a way that she doesn't like, and also a very black country. Um, even though they probably wouldn't all classify themselves as black, but still, she sees them as black. Um, so I think it's actually a really constant example of racists looking very ignorant. They aren't always looking ignorant in the moment that they're expressing racism, even though what they're saying is ignorant. But they are, there are people who come off as ignorant constantly. And I find that fascinating. It's not sanitizing the Americans is my point. It does not sanitize them whatsoever. It, does it negatively depict people from other countries? Yes. Does it make a point of doing that? I don't know. I don't know how much of it is edited, how much of it is blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, especially, especially when it comes to Middle Eastern countries. Um, there's a lot with, oh my God, Jenny and Samit. Jenny is a 60 year old white lady from, I believe, San Diego, who falls in love with a catfishing Indian man named Samit, who pretended to be a white guy named like John or something, um, that he admitted he was who he was. And she still went to meet him and is planning to live with him. And she, they've been on two seasons of the show. Um, and the entire drama is that it turns out he was in an arranged marriage and he had to break free from that marriage and he needs, he wants to get his parents approval so that he can marry Jenny and like Jenny is, I can't with Jenny, but it is easy to see that as a quote unquote stereotypical storyline, like, well, they only ever show arranged marriages in India and that's not you know true everybody but it's not like it doesn't happen you know from some of the scholars I've spoken to over the last several months one of the things that's been upsetting online was Indian matchmaker coming around because it was just sort of ignoring the trauma that's involved in 
in some arranged marriages, not all, before someone jumps down my throat. Um, so I don't think the show is making up the trauma that was involved in this man trying to break free from a marriage he didn't want to be in. He doesn't come off all that great because he started by lying to, to Jenny. But Jenny doesn't come off that great either. She just comes off really foolish in a lot of ways. So there are very few couples that come, that where both of them come off well. And you could say that that's probably true of any couple in real life. If you spent an entire several seasons with me and Alyssa, I don't know how much time you would spend loving us. But um, <laughs> I think about that reality show, right? <laughs> anyway. Um, so I think that that's interesting, and especially when there's a religious difference. Religious differences are, to me, the dullest thing on the show. Why didn't you people talk about this? You knew what your religion was. You knew it was important to you. You never brought it up. I have no sympathy for the people who don't talk about religion before they decide to get married. And then it comes up and they say, well, I want to get married in a church. Well, I don't want to get married. Oh, this is this this isn't even a, a, a nationality issue. This is a, a religious issue, which has not. It's just not interesting. I wish it wasn't on the show. And then another issue that comes up a lot is they get married in the United States, and then the person from the other country says, "Well, I want to have a wedding in the other country," and then usually in the next, if they're on another season, then they have to go have a wedding in the other country. Fine. Okay, but also I don't care. <laughs> and then there's an argument about who pays for this, and it's just like I can't. It's just unpleasant. Um, sometimes when we watch it on on demand, I just fast forward stuff about like who's gonna, where are we gonna have the wedding, and all this stuff. But even though I say all of that, I do find the show compelling for the reasons I've mentioned thus far. Now, before I sort of sign off here. Um, there's a couple of things that I think are worth pointing out about the way the way the show portrays some of the characters on it. I say they really are characters, honestly. Um, they they are not great at explaining the motivations of people from other countries who come off as a little bit too rigid or backwards or something because we don't get the story from their perspective. Yes, the person in the couple will explain themselves, but if their father is not allowing them to marry someone who's not of their religion, we only see the father kind of upset every so often, and the person looks just like, like we're not getting any shading there. And usually the, the parent doesn't want to be interviewed, or they don't interview them, they only interview the couple. And so it, it, we don't, it, that, that part isn't great. The side characters don't get much of an agency, and if the side characters, especially the side characters are from other countries or from other people of color or something like that, that's not great show could be better about that. On the other hand, when you give the side characters too much screen time, you end up with the family Chantal, which is terrible. So there's that. Um, and one thing though the show does do well is that I think that the show, when there's a couple that actually gets along, I think it's actually kind of nice to see them get along. I don't know. Like one of the couples that I think a lot of people like because they really get along is, is David and Annie. David is an older like, grandfather, white man from, I don't know, Arizona or something. I don't know where he's from. Um, and Annie is, I guess she's probably in her early 30s. She's from Thailand. When they got together on the show, you're thinking, here's this old man. Here's this young Asian woman. This is going to be creepy. But they really got along. And now they show up on the like, com the show also has pillow talk, which is where they, they comment on, on the episode. It's like, a com it's, it's, there's too much of this show. Um, 
But David and Allie are very sweet together. They are. So sometimes when you see something, you're like, this will not work. And it does. And then sometimes you see two people who are pretty much the same age. Um, and there's no huge income discrepancy um, or something like that. You're like, oh, this could work. And then it doesn't. Just doesn't. Um, you see a lot of bad decisions being made. Aside from the people being in relationships in the first place, you see people say, well, I quit my job to go over there for two months. And I'm just like, wow. Um, or they get there and they're like, well, I have a big secret. Um, secrets. And it's something really important. Like, actually, I haven't come out to my family. Actually, um, I have... I've been married three times before. Actually, I'm still married. This is just regular reality show shit and it annoys me. Like, I, there's, there's enough. The problem with the show, I think, is that it's two hours long. Each episode is two hours long. So they need to fill it, fill it, fill it. They have usually five couples a season, which means in the two hour episode, each couple is like, what, 24 minutes minus commercials? So Maybe 16 minutes. So that's 15 minutes basically per couple per episode, depending on if they're not, they're not all in, all in every episode. And 15 minutes, that's really like two scenes, <laughs> you know, especially if there's like a wedding involved or a dinner. So with one couple, you'll basically get them get to a dinner and they have an argument. And then later in the show, they're still having the argument because the show thinks we have no attention span and they're probably right about that and they just like that's it that's all that's all that happens in the episode so there's a lot of filler and I think if the show really spent time with the characters there would be more interesting stuff about immigration about language there are people for example Hazel who's from the Philippines and Tarek, who Hazel just moved to the United States to be with Tarek. And in the first season, she barely spoke and she didn't seem to use much English. We're now in this season, she speaks a lot of English. Has she been studying? That's interesting. That's an interesting story. I want to hear, like Tarek has been all over the franchise. I want to hear about her, right? Apparently, they were in a polyamorous relationship there was a third person they mentioned that a little bit but that's different <laughs> i don't mean i need like sex or anything i just just like give me something different that's not like well you know i want to have the wedding in the church well i don't want to have the wedding in the church i mean i'm complaining about reality shows in general um or you know give me something where it's actually a really interesting story about melding religions. You want to talk about they have different religions? Fine. It's usually one person's in a very conservative religion and they must, they must have everyone be in that religion. Um, or, you know, their parent is really, you know, important to them or something like that. What if we got interfaith relationships that went fine and the conflict wasn't there. I know that doesn't make for great TV, but I still think it would be interesting. So this is me now giving suggestions to the producers of the show. The main point I want to make though is that I think that there's more to 90 Day Fiance than even it realizes there is, especially in the other way when they show people in different countries. But I think that on the show, which is on a faulty premise that the United States has put forth, but that's not the show's fault. It shows how little is true about the American dream, how little is true about American exceptionalism, um, that racists can be very polite, uh, that the people you think will work out aren't always the people you think will work out. And that's, um, p 
people who speak standardized English aren't necessarily any easier to understand than people who don't because the subtitles, some of the people who have learned English second or third language, I understand them a lot better than some of these people who were born in the United States on this show. Um, but they're supposedly speaking standardized English. So I think that that is an interesting series of things that is true about the show. And if you don't watch it, you probably didn't listen to this episode. But if you do watch it, tell me what you think. Um, because I am, oh, and I was, oh, I was interested to see what would happen with, with the pandemic. And the season is still going on. They clearly filmed it a long time ago. Based on the show, it seems to be sometime between February and April, depending on which couple you're talking about. But some of them are clearly mid-pandemic, which seems unsafe. And some of them are, you know, uh, done with the, uh, you know, their, their 90 days before the pandemic starts. So it'd be interesting to see what happens because a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, like, there's still a whole bunch of shows coming out, but they filmed all of things like a year ago. It's going to be interesting to see what happens later in 2021 when the big gap from, I don't know, March to July really sets in. They're filming stuff now safely. Um, and I want to see what happens on this show. There's another show, Married at First Sight, which I just don't like. I don't like it. I don't like it. I find it interesting for the same reason that I find this one interesting because we, in a lot of ways, got married, not at first sight, but pretty quickly. And I want to see what happens in these situations. But the conflicts are always the same. And also all these people are American and they're not interesting. They're not interesting. So that's it for 90 Day Fiance. I felt like I had to have an episode about it because I talk about it so much with my wife. Um, and I think that it's worthwhile to have a critical view of the show. And this having this episode will allow me to go back to watching the show without feeling too bad about doing so. So thank you for indulging me. But also if you watch the show, what do you actually think? 